0: Thank you for reading that very voluminous scripture, but very necessary for the word of God today. Let us pray. Almighty God, send now your Holy Spirit on this preacher and on this group of dedicated believers that we may walk away from this moment knowing that we have heard from you. In Christ's name we pray, amen. Many of you know that I grew up in East St. Louis. And from 1954 to about 1963, we lived in a home that some call a shotgun house. You know the house? You walk in the front door, and you can see straight through to the back door. It only had one bedroom, so My mother and father kept that bedroom, and my two sisters and I, we slept in what's known now as the living room. We were poor, but didn't know it. Dirt poor and had no idea. You see, we had no electricity, so you couldn't watch television. We had a radio, but it was set aside for Dad to listen to the ball game and didn't want to use the batteries on other stuff so we thought that everybody lived like us that we had it made we we played outside like most kids and we ate breakfast and supper like most people we thought we were good until after working two jobs for a number of years because dad believed that mom should stay home and raise the children so he worked two jobs for a number of years, and he made enough money to finally move us out of that shotgun house with no electricity. And we moved into a deeper part of the city. And that's when, my brothers and sisters, Dad brought this spaceship-looking old black-and-white TV that was heavier than all get Out that the repairman had to come out at least least three times a year to put another tube in it. But it was that television that made me discover how poor we really were. It came at the compliments of June and Ward Cleaver. Mm -hmm. One of my favorite TV shows, Leave It to the Beaver. Ward and June lived what is known now and known then as the American dream, which basically says if you work hard enough and do the right things, meet the right people, and stay focused on reaching your goals, you could have this nice house where mom could clean the house in a nice, neat apron with high-heeled shoes on and earrings and in full makeup, have a dinner ready when Ward came home and Nadeev got home from school. We had none of that. And suddenly, I realized that we were poor. We didn't have many other things that I saw on that television. And that started me on a journey to where I set out to. Get as much as I can, as long as I can. You see, brothers and sisters, the television, the invention of it, was a great tool. And it is a great tool to to spread God's message today. But it also brings cultural norms into our living room daily. And Jesus understood, brothers and sisters, that being Christian and living among people who have no regard for the things of God is not for the faint of heart. So in this sermon, we call it the Sermon on the Mount, he lays out, if you will, the constitution for the Christian church. How we should live in the middle of culture. We can't take ourselves out of the culture and lock up into this nice room and say, well, we're going to be here when God comes back. And everybody out there, you know you know where they're going, don't you? But we have to live out our calling in the world. And somebody said, do it and not be of the world. So Jesus first starts with, what we call Beatitudes. And in that first statement, he turns Judaism and judeo christianism upside down. Bless all the poor in spirit. Theirs is the kingdom of God. Then he goes on and he talks about how we give gifts and, and, and we shouldn't give them to where we want praise from people. And then last week, Randy began to lay out for us the tools that we need to be a Christian in the world. And Jesus gives us this prayer that Barb led us in as a constant reminder of who we are and whose we are and why we are. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth just like it's done in heaven. That's who we are. And we come to this sermon today because it's as if Jesus could look down through the the history and see us struggling with what's really important in life. Is it the new Tesla that I probably will never get? What is it that is so important to us that it can take the place of God in our lives? For me, it was a collection of T-shirts, never worn every annual conference, every jurisdictional conference, every general conference, every work trip, every church I've ever been that had a T-shirt, I collected them, hung them on velvet, pristine hangers, lined up in the order in which I received them. And there they were, my prize collection. Until I married Aletha. I came home one day and she was bubbly, and there she was, my beautiful new wife, wearing it. My prize t-shirt, the 1988 General Conference t-shirt held in St. Louis. The crown of my collection. And there she was, (laughs) laying on the sofa, putting all kind of wrinkles (laughs) in my shirt. And I knew at that moment I had a decision to make. Who do I love the most? (laughs) Is it the t-shirt or Aletha? Because when you get to know my wife, you'll understand that she doesn't mince any words. She is the only girl of eight, With eight brothers. And so she's used to taking up for herself. I knew that if I had said something about her wearing that T-shirt, she would have worn all. (laughs) Just to make me understand, this T-shirt shouldn't mean nothing to you if I'm wearing it because I make it beautiful. So I had a decision to make. The T-shirt collection had to go. Because I love Aletha a lot more than I love those teachers. Friends, we have got to make some decisions. What is more important to us? Is it the things that the television and culture and the world says, this should be important to you? Jesus calls it earthly treasures versus heavenly treasures and I want to say up front that I believe God wants us by the power of the Holy Spirit to exercise a mindset to train our consciousness and develop and discern as we grow in our role as representing Jesus in the world and particularly in the place that God has placed us in so Jesus continues this series today And I want to encourage you to go back and on the app and look at all of them. Ben's watching, he takes us someplace. His Sermon on the Mount, our Lord moves our attention from fasting and prayer to be careful. Be careful, my brothers and sisters of what can get your attention and claim your heart and make it first place rather than God. We still spend a great deal of time and in our lives acquiring stuff. Possessions that Jesus says are transitory because we didn't come here to stay. We are travelers, we're on our way somewhere. This is not our final stop. And I'm not saying that things are bad. What I am saying is if those things hold a place in your heart that's above God, you might want to reevaluate. Because I don't know about you, we spend a lot of time trying to get stuff. And I must confess, every time I see the mega millions... I will stand in line at that gas station line and wait to buy my mega ball jackpot ticket. And I've already made a deal with God that if I win, he gets 10%. So, so I know he's not mad at me. I'm going I'm I'm to tip him. He's going to get his share. Besides, those sinners have had the money long enough. It's time that we use the to do some good. So I'll stand there when I won't stand nowhere when I'm spending my money. But I'll stand there in that line and patiently wait until I buy my ticket. And I, and I got a system, Stacy. I take the year we were born, Alita's birthday and my birthday, my oldest son's birthday, and my mother's birthday, and those are the numbers that I play to nag a ball. Friends, if I'm not careful, megaball will be more important to me than giving my fair to Jesus' church. If I'm not careful, I'll spend more time and money in pursuit of Mega Millions than in pursuit of introducing people to Jesus. See, if we understand that we're merely pilgrims passing through this beautiful land that God has provided for us. And in the text, Jesus cautions us to be careful what we hold near and dear to our hearts. Because when it's gone, it'll break your heart. When someone else is wearing your prized t-shirt. It'll hurt you deeply. You see, what I call cultural treasures, or Jesus called earthly treasures, he says in verse 19, these are temporary. No matter how much you pay for them, no matter how hard you work to get them, temporary. Jesus gives us some good advice about culture. He starts in, off this verse with saying, lay, the word lay which implies storing things away for future use. It becomes a serious problem when we hold on to and rely on those things to be there for us in times of trouble. Regarding this passage, Dr. Albert Barnes, in his commentary, says treasures or wealth among the ancients, consisted of clothes, changes of raiments, as well as gold and silver and gems and wine and land and, of course, oil. It meant an abundance of everything that was held to be conducive to ornate and comfortable living. It's interesting to me that the more things change, the more they stay the same. The idea or the mindset of the ancients sounds a lot like the time in which we're living in right now. Here's a problem with cultural pleasures. They are corruptible. Jesus warns us that if you get too attached to T-shirts or whatever, it has the tendency to control you instead of you controlling it. If you take a look at things that you have that bring you pleasure, And even some of them are the necessities of life, you'll find that they are decaying as we speak. They're getting older. The house is going to need a paint job, if nothing else around the windows. The house can have floods come in and ruin all of our stuff in the lower level. The house is wasting away and the moment you buy that name brand purse ladies and guys those name brand sneakers or the latest apple watch or phone it's already old and they're working on you to get you to get the iphone 12 plus Plus. and probably they have the iphone 12 plus, plus 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 already set to be on the market soon Jesus warns us that bugs and elements can can destroy these things. Water, a necessity of life, you can go a while without food, not so long without water. Water will destroy those possessions that we hold so near and dear to our heart. The writer of Ecclesiastes says it's all vanity. It seems that the more we get, it's never enough. Particularly in America, you have to have the latest. I do. I'm not listening on my lifestyle. I know y'all don't do this. But I have to have the latest and the greatest. No one needs 360 suits. No one needs 180 dress shirts. No one needs 200 pair of shoes but I have them because I grew up poor and I've learned to keep my stuff. I got a pair of shoes that I wore in high school and next week I'll bring them so you can see them. (laughs) They have the prized spot in my basement. High on the shelf where water can't get to them. I have the first pair of Air Jordans that dropped. Those are the things that are not bad in and of themselves. But it's how we treat them. What place they take in our lives. That's what's Jesus said, instead of focusing all of your attention on those earthly things that will decay, that will dry up, that will sooner or later be null and void, and you are never going to be able to take them with you because one day you are leaving here and you're going to heaven. If you live to be 150 years old, you're still going to leave here someday. We were not meant to stay. So Jesus says, instead of storing up all this stuff on earth where it can be destroyed, store up heavenly treasures. And I had to say, Mr. Jesus, what is heavenly treasures? Things like forgiveness of sin, understanding the will and purpose of God for our lives, godly wisdom, becoming a true child of God having the peace of mind of knowing that what God has for you cannot be taken away by nothing and no one else because the price was paid for your ticket to an eternal life with God was punched by Jesus Christ made known on the day he resurrected from the grave it was a statement to all earthly beings that God loves what God has created and you cannot have It is knowing that eternal life belongs to us as a free gift of God's only son. What's interesting to me is that Jesus uses the same word for treasures that he did in verse 19 in verse 20. Defines them as wealth. This reminds me of uh, of the saying that one person's trash is another person's treasure. My t-shirt collection meant nothing to Aletha. So you know how I got it back, Barb? You know how I got it back? After about a month, she came home one day, and I was wearing her precious blouse with the pearl things coming all down. <laughs> and I even had on her Sunday bra. she'll tell you so once she got over the sight of me standing there (laughs) look she realized I was wearing the things that was near and dear to her heart and unlike me she did not make a decision to say whom do I love most (laughs) she said if you don't take off my blouse (laughs) there's going to be some trouble in here Mr. Weatherall And that's when you know you're in trouble. God says, have you looked at the flowers? They don't toil. But Solomon couldn't fashion anything more beautiful. Look at the birds in the air. They don't toil. They don't work. But God has provided for them. The apostle Paul knew that we cannot take earthly treasures and make them our lifestyle. He says, the more I get, I I count it as loss. As I get to know Christ as my Lord, these things mean nothing in my life because what I'm after more than anything is Christ's love and approval for the work I'm doing in his name so Jesus is not saying that money or possessions are wrong he's not saying that money and my t-shirt collections are evil what he is saying that if you're not very careful you'll like Oberweiser's ice cream more than you do your health talking about me now and instead of not Partaking in that highly sugarated pleasure, decide that I'm better off not to do that. Jesus wants us to realize that if we are going to negotiate the terrains of this beautiful world that God has for us. It is impossible without a relationship with God in Jesus Christ. It's that relationship that gives us the power to overcome the things that are trying to overcome us. And friends, God's treasure is not in heaven. You want to know why? Because you are not there. God's treasures are you and I. And He wants you to know, God wants you to know, that there is nothing, nothing that you can do to stop God from taking care of you. Absolutely nothing that you do will prevent God from coming to your rescue just when you need it. We have a God that will show up when we need God the most. Try him, if you will. Pray for our students and educators this school year, that they are going through unprecedented times. Pray for them, and then watch them endure Things that they should not have to at 6, five, four, 13, 18 years old. Brothers and sisters, the very fact that we are present in the world is an indictment on a culture that cares more about stuff than it does people. Let us pray. Precious God, thank you for this moment of your teaching on the mount. Thank you for the opportunity to sit in this air-conditioned, nice place to praise and worship you in spirit and in truth. Amen.